Hey friends, welcome to the Boss Barista Roundup, a show where I tackle a topic and ask you, the listeners, to share your stories, thoughts, insights, and experiences with us. I'm Ashley Rodriguez, and this week we're talking about what it means to reimagine the minimum wage. In the U.S., the federal minimum wage is $7.25 an hour. 29 states have set a higher minimum wage than that. However, all but six states have what's called a tipped minimum, or an amount that's lower than the minimum wage that you can pay your staff if they also receive tips. Rules vary on how little an employer can pay state by state, but in general, when we think of the minimum wage, not even just the tipped minimum, We think of low-paying jobs, and for many, the minimum wage just simply isn't enough to support themselves or their families or make their lives work without picking up a second job or sacrificing basic needs. But what happens when we start to think about minimum wage differently? What if we could guarantee that people left work every day with more than what they needed just to get by? And what sort of power structures would have to be reassessed or questioned or flat out knocked down for that to happen? All the places that I have worked before, um, the power structure and and the resources were all structured like this upside down pyramid, right? Like at the top, Um, You have like ownership and maybe like a couple, you know, executive type roles or, you know, people doing like the main leadership of the company or, but they're the most resourced and the most compensated, but there's the mobility into those places, particularly in coffee is like really limited. And then, you know, you have, then you have, you know, some, types of like middle management and things like that. But then down at the bottom, you have a very large population of people doing, you know, the customer facing work. But those are the people who in my, you know, in my experience, like I've, as a, when I was working as a barista, I felt the least resourced. And I definitely know that I was the least compensated. That's Michael Schroeder, who on November 4th, 2019, announced an incredibly ambitious new pay structure for the business he works for, Oddly Correct Coffee in Kansas City, Missouri. On Instagram, Oddly Correct announced that all employees would make at least $18 an hour. If they made that in tips plus their base wage, that was great. But if their tips didn't get them to that hourly wage, Oddly Correct would subsidize it and ensure that every employee took home a guaranteed amount of money every day. So the basic idea is that we are setting a minimum wage at Oddly Correct. Um, So that's $18 an hour. So no matter how many hours you have that are customer facing and you're getting tips, or if you're, you know, doing production work and stuff like that, you know, depending on how much of that work you're doing, your tips and stuff can fluctuate week to week. So what we're saying is we're, you know, people are starting like a starting base pay at Oddly Correct is ten fifty an hour, and then you know every six months we do reviews and like you get races depending upon if you're taking on more responsibility and like performance and cost of living 
increases and stuff like that. But then with your base rate and tips, we calculate what was your average uh, hourly income. And if it drops below $18 an hour, then we'll raise the base pay to make up the difference. And then, but then if uh, employees who are working and getting tips that put them over $18 an hour, uh, we don't touch that. So we're really just setting like a minimum wage for our company. This is huge, especially for a place like Kansas City where the minimum wage is eight sixty an hour. And in Missouri, employers are allowed to claim a 50% tip credit, meaning they can pay you half the state's minimum wage if you make the other half in tips. So essentially, an employer can pay you as low as $4.30 an hour as long as an employee makes the other half, the other $4.30, in tips. But Michael and his team at Oddly Correct wanted to upend that idea. Well, like rumors of place of places that had sort of planned to do the minimum wage, like they were going to use tips to bring people up to the Missouri minimum wage. So they were going to take their employees tips every week and then calculate, okay, what's the hourly that we can pay them to where they're getting 860 an hour. So like leveraging customers generosity to then pay them as little as possible. So like I, yeah, so I had heard stories about places that had either done that or were like talking about doing it, um, both through the survey and just from like people, you know, other baristas coming into our shop and stuff like that. So I said, okay, like that, that actually gave me an idea. Like what if I flip that on its head and say, I'm, I'm going to use customer's generosity as a tool to help us pay every single person a living wage. So instead of saying like, okay, here's the maximum that we're ever going to pay someone, you know, including their tips, I said, let's set a minimum that we're ever going to pay someone, um, including tips. So that that's where kind of like the initial like structure came from. Michael and the team decided on a minimum they'd pay anyone on their staff, ever. And one of the reasons Oddly Correct gave for this policy is contained in their initial Instagram announcement. They say, if a job is worth doing, it's worth doing well. Instead of focusing on the output of employees, which we might think of when we hear a sentence like that, Michael focused on the worth part and how to translate that worth into tangible wages. So thinking, okay, like how can I actually, in my mind, properly value the work that every single person is doing, knowing that I believe that like every single person has value, period. But that if I think that that person's job is worth having on my team, then I need to show that I value it with how I'm compensating it. So trying to make it less of like an, you know, that, that a pyramid, like a point at the bottom and wide at the top to like more of a rectangle. So that was an image that came on pretty early. And then from there, just starting to think like, okay, how can I be at a spot or when can I be at a spot to make that happen? And then kind of the, the more I started thinking about that stuff, the more I realized that, okay, well, if, if I want to have the best 
people doing every single job, even, even if I have someone who's just pulling shots all day long, I, if I think that that job is worth doing, then I should be paying a wage that makes it a job that someone can continue to do, especially if they're passionate about it. Um, if they're passionate about creating, you know, really good beverages and serving people in a really kind and uh, engaging way. This plan sounds ambitious, idyllic even, but is it actually feasible? We answer that question after the break. This episode of the Boss Barista podcast is brought to you by Get You Some Gear. Get You Some Gear redistributes donated coffee gear to baristas and other coffee professionals that hold marginalized identities. If you have any old coffee gear that's collecting dust in a cabinet, or you just have extra items, Get You Some Gear will find a new home for them. They're in specially need of the big three, kettles, scales, and range servers. The best way to get in touch is via Instagram, at get you some gear, that's G-E-T-C-H-U, some gear, all one word. But if you're maybe Instagram free or don't really like social media, you can also send an email at getyousomegear at gmail.com. Welcome back to the Boss Barista Roundup. I'm talking to Michael Schroeder, director and roaster at Oddly Correct Coffee in Kansas City. He's talking to us about how his shop has set a new minimum wage for baristas. Every barista will walk away with at least $18 an hour, no matter what. They'll get a set base pay, which will be subsidized if their tips don't get them to that $18 an hour mark. This $18 an hour, that's nearly double the minimum wage in the city. Michael and his team at Oddly Correct have been praised for this policy. Their post on Instagram announcing it has over 100 comments commending them, but that doesn't mean it hasn't been met with some pushback. There have been people sort of saying like, hey, you, why are you doing this to make us look bad, basically, <laughs> which is 100% not our intent. I think by, you know, I think there's a lot of close-handed, like, information gatekeeping in coffee in a lot of senses, but I think that um, there's just not an air of transparency. Like that's not like a natural feeling thing for, I think for a lot of business owners, you know, you're kind of like taught to like protect your secrets and, you know, not share your recipes and not give away how you're doing things because someone could come and copy it or some, you know, or it just reveals too much about your process. And I just wanted to get ahead of what I felt was an important movement for transparency that was for the most part being led by baristas and the people doing the work. Transparency is a hot topic in the coffee world right now. Folks across the industry are demanding more transparency in pretty much all realms. People are asking what roasters are paying the farmers who grow their coffee. And recently, a number of spreadsheets where baristas could anonymously report their wages have swept across the nation, revealing wages ranging from livable to eh to downright deplorable. And what Michael saw was a moment for him, as a person driving the business that he works at, to take some of that burden of transparency off baristas and assume it within the business. 
so seeing like all these wage transparency reports that are 100% led by baristas and the people in the communities, I thought, well, like, well, shouldn't the companies be the ones who are being transparent? Like, I don't, you know, I don't want my employees to feel like they have to be transparent for me. So that was the heart behind it was just to like, get out there and say like, Hey, we think this is important. Here's what we can do where we're at. And like, we just want to be open about it. And like, you know, putting it out there, especially on the internet, like that kind of holds me accountable to really do what I say I'm going to do. So you may be thinking this all sounds great, but how is oddly correct going to do this? As fair as this feels to me, this also feels like a lot of money. And the number 18, where does that come from? This number is a result of careful planning and knowing exactly how much money Oddly Correct has. And for Michael, he's not worried. So I, I was looking at an MIT study where they, they created this tool, like an online tool where you can enter in your zip code, basically, and like it'll pull up a living wage based upon you know um, housing costs and healthcare costs like food costs. So it's, it's really interesting, but that's where I was starting to look when I was thinking like, what, what, what does it even take to just make, you know, a living wage? And in Kansas city, you know, if you're working 40 hours a week, it's like 1180 something an hour, but the total being about $1,900 a month to make a living wage. And that's like, they describe it as a very, like a fine line between like financial independence and the need for like assistance from like government programs for housing and food and things like that. So it's basically kind of what minimum wage should be. If, you know, I mean, if I'm going to talk about it, uh, you know, someone working 40 hours a week on minimum wage can't support themselves completely. Like they can't exhibit financial independence. So this, you know, living wage is sort of what that actually would be. So I started looking there and then took the data that I gotten from that survey, um, you know, basically the average hours that people are working and stuff like that. And said, okay, well, so if a, a barista is working 30 hours a week and they make $18 an hour, then that'll put them well over that living wage with, you know, $400 a month to spare for, you know, discretionary spending or saving, you know, like for buying a house, like a down payment for buying a house and building savings and things like that. So that was like, okay, I like if someone on our team is working 30 hours a week and making $18 an hour, like this is going to put them well over that minimum wage or not minimum wage, that living wage and give them like a greater um, degree of financial independence. So that's where the number came from. And I knew that it was like something right now, like we could handle that number as a business. Beyond the math, there's this underlying theme that continues to come up over and over as I talk to Michael. It's not so much that Oddly Correct can afford to pay this much, even though they can, but it's also that they believe it's right to pay this much, especially if you know where the value of your business is. One, I know it's tough running a business and meeting the bottom line, but I think it just comes back to that initial idea that if I can't 
place a proper value on my greatest resource as opposed to viewing it as like my biggest um, liability, you know, like, yes, it like, it is the thing that we pay the most money into week after week, but it's because it's bringing us the most benefit. So I think it just comes from actually seeing value in it as opposed to feeling like it's a weight that has to be managed. You know, people don't actually think that the work is as valuable as it as they want to say that it is you know like if if you think that other things are more important then that's what you're gonna put your time and energy and money into i'm not saying that like any of those other things are bad necessarily like it's not wrong to like have like a marketing budget or to have you know fancy like the like the newest machine or anything like that like i don't think there's anything wrong with that but if we really want to create an environment where the people are put first and we really believe that if they're really well resourced, that they're actually going to give us the most benefit, then like that's where we're going to put our resources. So it, it's kind of that mentality of like, you know, there's something that guitar players say, they say tone is in your fingers. Like you could have the best, most amazing guitar and amp, but if you don't have like that tone in your fingers, like that something inside you to actually make like good music come out, it's, you know, that's not, all the best stuff's not gonna help you. So we were always kind of take that and say, okay, we know that we can do good work. So let's do the best we can with what we have within a system that allows every one of us to be doing okay. That was Michael Schroeder, director and roaster at Oddly Correct Coffee in Kansas City. You can learn more about their plans to increase the minimum wage by following them on Instagram at oddly, just the word oddly, You can also look up what the living wage is in your city by using the tool Michael mentioned, the MIT Living Wage Calculator, by visiting livingwage.mit.edu. In future episodes, I want to talk about quitting your job. Tell me about how you told your boss you were leaving, or if you've ever felt scared to tell your boss you were going, or if you've ever had something unexpected happen to you when you quit. I know I have a very weird story about one of the times I quit a job. Uh, Send your stories and voice recordings to me at bossbaristapodcast at gmail.com. This has been the Boss Barista Roundup. I'm Ashley Rodriguez. See you next week.